joining us this is the first tracks records official podcast it's uh gonna be me and rachel tonight who knows maybe some other time we'll invite other people but who better to tell everybody what's up than straight from the horse's mouth right am i right rachel that's right we like to spill the tea you know and there's a lot of tea to spill it's quite unfortunately unfortunately too much too much to for the one hour, probably. Too much, too much soft living, yes. We, we're we going to do this uh, first podcast basically to recap last year and to celebrate. What I mean, it was an amazing last year and an be- amazing first beginning. It, it really was, because if you think about it, house music is bigger than it's ever been. Um, we were in Rolling Stone, we were in Chicago Magazine, we were in Amsterdam News, we were pretty much everywhere. I think, oh, page six, it's always fun to be in New York, page six, number one gossip. But uh, I think in general, the music we did was uh, fabulous. It was crazy because we started off the year with you calling me, telling me basically that you needed some assistance with the Rolling Stone article because... There was a lot of uh, turmoil with the previous press that was being written about regarding the the lawsuit that's going on that I guess kind of broke the internet in a way because that's kind of what started everything off, right? It kind of did start everything off. But, um, you know, the sad thing about it, if I had to make like one comment, and I thank you very much for your help and your support and mainly just for you know, keeping me uh, of sound mind, as sound mind as I can be, to just deal with it. But the whole thing was, it's kind of crazy because it really all was started about a person named Vince Lawrence, who everybody forgot about. And he made himself famous by coming at me and bringing what he thought to be an army of some old, uh, I don't know, bitter type people that are not making new music to be on his side against me. It's kind of like using me and using tracks to just make himself famous because everybody forgot about him and they should. It's weird, isn't it? Because like in a way, the one of the biggest reasons people wanted to talk to me was because some of the things that he was accusing you of were like supposedly aligned with the reasons that we weren't talking at the point in time because we started really talking last year like in the beginning of the year right but like i think when we did that rolling stone article what surprised the uh, ollie the writer for the piece was that so much of it was a lot more complicated than than just like here's this white lady who owns the label it became a lot more complicated for everyone but before that everyone was just like it's just this one-sided story of this crazy evil lady and crazy evil people this white bitch who's trying to take control of these poor artists who basically at the end of the story what it really comes down to is i went to all those artists and asked them to help me to fight the fight because we were really fighting against some of the biggest companies that were trying to take 
house music out of the United States. But when I went to Marshall Jefferson, as an example, and said, Marshall, why don't you help me fight Demon, who's now named themselves, so I can name them, of the BBC, um, he said, why? Because I'll make an extra McDonald's hamburger. And the reason he said that was because streaming has hurt artists so much. And he really realized that that was the truth of the matter. So I still believe that we should fight for our music, keep our music in America. And really, I wanted these people that came against me to help support me so that we could all win but they decided to look at it in a different way. Yeah, because like, I mean, in a way, the only way that tracks could keep surviving is if, we, you know, that same spirit with all the new artists and everything that's happened in the past 15 years has only been able to happen because of people who like have that collaborative spirit. Yes. Whereas a lot of our issues where we, when we first started, we wanted to do things with the classic artists or whatever, as whatever you want to call them, but they didn't want to necessarily join us at that time. They were all doing their things, booking their 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 shows or whatever. But the only person that did was Joe, and that was a big part of the article too because it showed that that dynamic wasn't necessarily what we were fostering. True, I think that Joe Smooth always was one of the most intelligent artists in house music. And I say that because when everybody had a chance to do whatever they wanted with their music, in other words, until 2022, we did not have control of the catalog. And people really need to realize that. But Joe, actually what he did was he actually bought out his contracts. In other words, like, I didn't want to stop him. I didn't, I didn't even know what he was doing, but I'm glad that he did it. But I wasn't holding him or holding them. In other words, Joe had to find some people that paid $50,000 to get him out of a deal that I had nothing to do with, that I wasn't making a dime on. And that's and the then, Yeah, and then in the future... We were working with him, you know, during that time, like 2010s, Absolutely. When, when he didn't necessarily have uh, stuff going on and we were trying to start off and the only way we launched was together. The yeah. first time he did that mixtape was kind of one of the first viral pieces that happened for tracks, you know? I think so. I know that we, we've done a lot of great work with Joe, you know, and I think that there are other artists that... Well, L.A. Williams, you know, from Future. He's one of the artists that's along with us. So there are a number of classic artists that we do still work with, and we're, we're open to working with them all. Um, so, so it's kind of weird why these other ones are saying that you wouldn't be able to do those things or don't want to be like that when so many other people are proof that you aren't like this Machiavellian evil person trying to keep them from... <laughs> their riches or their goods right and the whole thing is they looked at where i was living and what they weren't really realizing was i was broke i was lucky to have a husband who had a good job who helped me to get through everything and i can't say 
that he wasn't my greatest support. That and lawyers for the creative arts. If we had not had pro bono services for so many years from lawyers for the creative arts, there would be no tracks records. All those artists would have lost their music. And that's what they don't care about. They don't care that we fought the fight. And the thing is, I don't think when people hear our story, they don't imagine who it's going through. Like we say, we're going to lose it to who? We're going to lose it to what? To where? Who's trying to come for us? And that's like all these really, 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 really rich people who have monies that we can't even imagine, who own so many intellectual property. Very true. As a matter of fact, the artists, which I kind of hate to say for them, they're being used as puppets by bigger companies that were trying to really take control of everything. And as a matter of fact, the attorney who says, oh, I'm working to help all these artists. The truth of the matter is the only reason that attorney came against us was because he had a deal with a buyer who was interested in buying out half of the label that was actually somebody that I am friendly with who is doing work with us, Paul Brazel, who's brought us a lot of really good acts, you know, uh, uh, Kushgard and uh, let's see, Spada and some really good people, um, DJs for good. So he's, he's brought excellent people into the fold. And the thing was, he was interested in buying. And when he was interested in buying, that attorney was representing Paul. And when the only reason that Paul did not do the deal, did not have anything to do with us, because he really wanted to, he was afraid of tax implications, which had nothing to do with me, because all these years I've always paid all my taxes. I can prove that. I've done everything right that I could do. As far as the classic artists, I wasn't collecting their money. And the whole thing is, they think, oh, she's living in this rich tower, not realizing that I was losing everything, that I had to hock my actual wedding ring, engagement ring, everything to keep things going. That at one year, we didn't even have money for a Thanksgiving dinner. That J.B. Ross actually you know, bought us one of those boxes that you could get from the Jewel to give us a dinner. So the yeah. thing yeah, that happened. And the thing is, people have such an overblown idea. And they don't know, even with Larry Sherman, as, you know, okay, he had his evil side, but he also had his genius side. And they don't realize that they might have thought Larry Sherman was rich. But let me tell you, if you read Rolling Stone, it talks about the apartment was in foreclosure about three times. Because Larry couldn't even support it. He couldn't. People don't realize that starting in 2002, the label was really taken over. It was a bad joint venture. The idea was to do a joint venture with some people who actually promised, and they're called Casablanca. They were a big company out of Canada. They also mentioned themselves in Rolling Stones, so I'm not saying anything that I'm not free to say, but they actually came in saying 
we're going to be a great thing for tracks because we're going to get all the artists paid. We're going to take care of all the stuff so that you and Larry can be creative. Now, that sounded like a good thing. I mean, you know, Larry did some horrible things, even to me. But I don't want to even get into that because one thing that I don't like, even though I don't like a lot of things Larry did, I will say this. He was a creative genius when people like Vince Lawrence and Marshall and other people try to say Larry did nothing. They are full of shit. Wasn't it? I mean, in reality, Trax has been a historic view of the music industry because it's functioned in four decades now. And each decade, it's really rolled with the punches that the music industry has gone in. In the 80s, it was ran very 80s. Larry Sherman days in the 90s it went and it was ran very 90s with conglomerates that happened in France and so on and then in the 2000s it was this idea that the artists get to be artists leave it to these business people leave it in our hands and, th and then a lot of people got fucked over not just you because a lot of people during that time including uh, Sly Stone which we now know from the movie was being basically taken for a ride well, you could really say that starting in a lot of the beginning days, you know, in fact, you know, all the way up through even Def Jam and Russell Simmons, the fact of the matter is there are some really great artists who are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, people like Grandmaster Melly Mel and Grandmaster Flash and people like Dougie Fresh and people who have literally sold multiple, multiple millions of records and they're friends of mine and they know how I try to, to treat the house people and they say if anybody had been as good to us we would be thanking them not trying to hurt them and actually in the case of those artists I have helped them to get their royalties and they would speak up for me anytime if people yeah. to talk to some of them and even though okay Africa Bambata has his controversy, but I don't know what's real and what's not. And I'm not going to judge him because I know what it feels like to be judged. And I know how much people can judge you with bullshit. So the point of the matter is I'm just saying that there are many people that will say I've been very supportive of artists because I'm an artist myself and people forget that all my music was taken away just as much as their music was. Yeah, I mean, you, back to what I was saying, like, you've seen every shift in this music industry from day one. You were the person responsible for digitizing exactly. tracks. And people don't even know that, that you're kind of, the, one, the main reason that the dance music in general is up digitally and people know how to categorize it, write the tracks, the publishing, the remixing dynamics and points and it's not a lot of that comes from tracks because you were there breaking those deals and that's teaching them true. along the way. That's true. As a matter of fact, there was a very small company. Tom Ryan is now the president of Viacom, by the way. And he started a little company called Seductive. And that company had no material. And he was like, I want an exclusive on tracks. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? I said, can I still make vinyl records? Yes.
Can I still make CDs? Yes. So what are you talking about exclusive? And he said, exclusive to the internet only. And at the time, there was only, you know, the illegal Napster. There was nothing legal being done. And Tom Ryan was the first person to do it legally by making deductive into what became e-music. And then things just kind of grew from there. But at the time that I allowed him to use the tracks catalog, well, actually, Larry and I both did because, you know, we were working together on these things. Um, all these other companies, people like Jelly Bean Benitez and other big Tommy Boy, Tom Silverman, all the people that I know in the industry, none of them would allow their music to be put out digitally for the internet. It took years for other companies to catch up to doing what we were the pioneers of doing. And it's weird because like, that's what happened then and what's happening now is that all these people want these digital catalogs basically they're just amassing all these catalogs all these musicians musics under one person one company sometimes and they're scrubbing away the culture behind it because now it's just owned by this one massive company who's just basically uploading it and trying to see what they can score from their their booty basically well, yes, it's really true that right now, in fact, I was uh, just propositioned myself about just basically, hey, we'll give you a big advance. You've got a good number of Spotify and other followers that will give you a big advance. And, you know, basically kind of saying they wanted to take over my music. And I said, well, I can't do that because I'm distributed by Sony. And we are, even though we're distributed by Sony, they don't give us much help or give us any props that much, although they do love us, which is good, and they're good to us. But, you know, it's not like they invest money in, in us because they don't own us, but they don't direct us either. They don't try to tell us what to sign. So we are still totally independent. And to have come as far as we have, as far as worldwide recognition, and still be independently owned is a miracle. And that's, and that's crazy. We're, the, we're literally the only ones left. There's yeah. like no other small like niche label or whatever that's really out there that hasn't been bought out. Or maybe, I don't even know if Excel or Sub Pop are still like that. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but. I don't think so. I think Sub Pop was bought. I know Red was bought. I know recently Dirty Bird was bought. Um, you know, things like that is pretty common. I know that people who sued me in the past, this group called TAP, which was at the time managing Dua Lipa, Lana Del Rey, DJ Shadow, um, basically before they came after me, you know, with Robert Owens and Larry Hurd. And I wasn't the one who was taking their money, so I really don't care. But before they came after me, they said to my attorney, we want to buy Rachel's label. But she will have to step aside. Isn't and it crazy? They're always telling you to step aside, but you're the only one that's kept it going. <laughs> yeah, and you know what they say? We'll make her a very rich woman, but she'll have to step aside. Now, this is what my husband said. He said, Rachel, if I were you, I'd have said, 
how far do I have to go? And how rich are you going to make me? But what people can't believe, and I swear to God, this is the truth. I never asked how much money they would give me. I said, I have no price. And I can't, I mean, for anybody listening to this who says, oh, I bet she's not like this. No, I've seen it. She has said and done things like this in front of me. So it's not like a front. I tell people I can't be bought. As a matter of fact, speaking of Vince Lawrence, before he launched all this stuff, one of the things that he did was call me and say, how much, Rachel? What is it going to take to buy you out? And I said, Vince, I mean, no price. There's no let, price. Let's just entertain this idea of, let's say it did end up happening where it gets sold. What is that? You know, it means so much. So much gets lost by selling it out. You know, like, you know, here's the thing, George, is that at this point, between you and me, we're the people who know the most about the catalog. Larry Sherman, rest in peace, like him or don't like him, you know, he's gone. Now, we're the two people that really know the most about what's in there, what there exists, what the photographs are, what the video are, and there's so much. There's such a rich history. And not only that, but, you know, people forget, and this is the sad part, is I think what makes me really sad is the fact that Marshall and I were such good friends. You used to be able to come to my apartment and see pictures of me and Marshall everywhere. Some of the most famous photographs of Marshall, like the one you found in the archives that has now been in the, you know, the Metropolitan Museum of Art and all these people have used it. They used it at Navy Pier. People have used it unauthorized and authorized. Amazon used it. Uh, you know, museums have used it. Books have used it. But the point of the matter is, I was there and you were helping. But even before you came along, I was there kind of photographing it, taking my own video, really believing in the music when everybody said the music was garbage. I mean, right. really, I remember, you know, when Marshall and I were sitting in Universal Studios and that night, you know, Ron Hardy was there. We recorded Children of the Night. We recorded Sensation. We did a lot that night. And <laughs> I mean, it was an incredible night. Uh, Daryl Pandy was there, too. Really? Absolutely. Daryl. It was an amazing night. And the whole thing about it was, I remember turning to Marshall and I said, you know, Marshall, you have written your rock around the clock. You wrote the song that's going to make you famous for the rest of your life. And he just goes, you think so, Screaming? Because that's kind of the way Marshall is. And I said, I know it. Because with all my heart, I knew it. But yet people in New York said, oh, this sounds like garbage. In fact, people in Chicago said it sounds like garbage because Marshall then went and did a 24-track recording for Rocky of DJ International. And in yeah. fact, he sold Move Your Body three times to three different labels. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, it's crazy because like, okay, that, let's, that dispute is set, let's say in an imaginary land, imaginary world, that dispute gets settled. How much time has been lost? So much talent that you and him could have been creating this whole time, going on tour, you know, so many things you could have been doing had 
these big businesses not got in both of your heads in, year, in, in years, basically. And it's just robbed the world of so much fighting over one thing in the past, right? I think in a way, but I do think this, George, is that because of it, everything got shaken up. And so many new people came forward that said, by God, we understand what you're doing. We believe you as far as what's happened to your music and what's happened to their music. And we support you. And what happened was a lot of great new music has been made. And now, like you said, you know, when that piece was done with Bandcamp by Joe and things like that, people are now recognizing this great new music. And I think, and, and the thing is also, what I have said to some of these people who've been really against us, um, for instance, let's let's say Adonis. And I like Adonis. Adonis actually recently said, you know, I've got, I've got love for you, Rachel, just like that. But the point was, I have said to all of them, make some new music. You know, now Marshall is making some new music. Adonis isn't really making new music. And I've had people come to me and try to say, offering money to Adonis. But, you know, these guys, a lot of them, they just don't even want to really get involved. They're not moving ahead, you know? Case in point, that Robert Owens project that I did for him in 2017, that was incredible. Six remixes. It, it was the first time that he had released something that it was getting so much positive accolades and this and that. And it got stopped over. I don't even know what his team, I think. So it got stopped by his manager, who happened to be this guy from TAP. Because Robert signed a contract with me and I actually gave Robert money. You know, let me put it this way. In the digital age, if you give somebody a thousand dollars, it's going to be incredibly hard to make that thousand dollars back digitally. The truth of the matter is, you know, we own a part of a Kanye West song. And even so, a, a, a Kanye West song, except for like licensing it, because we did license it for the MTV Video Awards and things like that, there's still the matter of fact that unless you're licensing it, unless you're doing concerts, unless you're doing merch, you know, digital has destroyed the life of the musician. And that's true. And it's also really hurt small independent labels like ours. Because one thing I know also to be true is that when it comes to these big companies like the Spotify's, the Pandora's and other things like this, they the biggest part of the money goes to the major labels that control it. And then it kind of trickles down. And by the time it trickles down, like to us and other small companies, and then to the musicians themselves, it's pathetic. It's not even a tenth of a penny. It's such a small, it's not even, people can't even make minimum wage. This is the truth of the life of a musician. And, and then, I mean, if you think about it in terms of the tracks, what does that look for tracks day in, day out? We're making huge cultural shifts, advancements. People look at us for this and that. And they're looking at us like, well, you guys affect so much change and, and you guys do so much and your press and this and that. 
and they're asking, how does that not translate onto the sheets? How come we don't see you making what we think you should be making? And that's like what we want to know. But how do you quantify that? How do you how do you make money off that on a system that is designed now just for one person to make the money and all of us to just feed into that one person's pocket? And it's really a shame because I'll tell you what is that all these people that assume I'm rich, they can forget about it because I'm not. And that's the honest to God truth. And if I didn't have help, I wouldn't be making it. I'd be like a lot of the other people. I wouldn't be making it. But I've had some help, thank God. But I've stuck to my guns and every penny that I did make, which wasn't a lot, I still put into fighting the fight. And that's why when I ask the other artists to join me instead of turn against me, I feel that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, we kept house music in America. And specifically, when I met my mentor, which was Sylvia Robinson from Sugar Hill, and I saw how Sylvia was kind of, she was beat out of the business herself. And I watched that all go down. I saw it all happen. And when it did happen, I said to myself, you know what? All the greatest artists in hip hop, they're going to be forgotten. They're not going to be the ones who are going to be the big stars. They're going to be the forgotten ones. And that's exactly what happened because Russell Simmons and Def Jam and, you know, LL Cool J and Run DMC, Beastie Boys, all that. I'm not saying that they're not great, but what I am saying is that the Sugar Hill talent was incredible, but because the label went out, they went away. And one of the dreams that I had when I saw that happen, and I was actually crying when they shut the doors there because I was there too, I said, if I have any wish, the wish is that us, the people who started house music, will never be forgotten. So in a way, yeah. that was my dream when I started with you, remember? And I said, I won't allow that to happen. And I caused a lot of trouble, but hey, no one's being forgotten anymore. That's right. No matter what happens, we've got to say that the originators are not forgotten. They may not like each other because those guys don't like each other either. Believe me. You know, that's why Adonis yeah. recruited himself out of the whole lawsuit. He doesn't want anything to do with them. And, you know, they fight within themselves, but that doesn't even matter. But the point that matters the most is if I don't accomplish anything else, well, I, I see we've accomplished a lot, so I shouldn't say that. But one of the main dreams I had was to make sure we were all remembered. And we are. Yes. And there's so much time left, too, to do yeah. so much damage. And, you That's know. That's crazy part. The one person that's kind of trying to take over things now, you know, we were talking today. He was like, oh, Rachel, it's, it's your fault, this and that. I'm like, hey, I didn't even have contracts or access to contracts until after Larry Sherman died because Larry Sherman took all the contracts. I didn't know anything. All I can okay. say is that when, when Tap tried to sue us, the object was that they were going to try to take the entire company away. But I was able Isn't that to... everyone? I mean, we really got to say this out loud now. Every single person with a checkbook has yeah. just tried to come and take the label away from 
your hands and Chicago and take it somewhere else. Yeah. Everything, and, everything, that, everything, creative control and everything. And the funny thing is that the three, actually the most major people who tried to do it were outside the United States. The Canadians, Tap is English, Demon is English. These were the major big people who fought. And this little guy who's fighting now, the reason he's doing it was because he was going to get a piece of the action from the other person that was trying to buy. They all think they can take this ring and I don't know, do what with it, but nobody's been ever able to do squat, shit, diddly squat with it alone. They all need, we all need each other. Hey, I got to say, I did this little podcast with Jason Chaos. And I'm telling you that all of them, the quote unquote haters, had to record it. And they had said so many, like, you know, kind of derogatory things about me that I was joking about them. Because like, what was it? Um, uh, Maurice Joshua said, Rachel Kane shit at our table. And I said, well, God, you know, Maurice, you must be eating a lot of shit because look at how big you are. Just like that. And he was infuriated, infuriated so much that he put that in the legal documents. And, and when it comes to Marshall Jefferson, here's how crazy he is. Marshall made a tape called If I Should Die. And he sent it out to the president of Stoney, my attorney, his attorneys, everybody, like all these big industry people, insinuating that I had so much power, I could get him killed in England. Yeah, like rights. What are you dreaming of? And on the other hand, Marshall, someplace in my archives, I haven't been able to find it because we need to organize them, is a letter from Marshall where he warns me that Larry Sherman is trying to kill me. And he says, Adonis watched Larry messing with the brakes on your scooter. Whoa. So, but you know what? Everybody says he wrote you a letter instead of called you on the phone. By the time you received the letter, you could have been dead. Now, the thing is, the last time I ever took the scooter out, and this was before I did receive the letter, I noticed something wasn't right about the steering and about stopping it. And it, it was scary. But that was the last time I ever rode the scooter again, you know. And all I can say is that that was one of the things that, you know, Marshall said. Because what Marshall said was, Larry said, I've got to get rid of Rachel. She knows too much. And, and the fact of the matter is also, you know, and I don't care what anybody says, it's true. Larry tried to hire a hitman to actually kill me at one point. That's true, too. He pistol whipped me to make me sign a document. And today, this other person who's trying to, uh, you know, it's all your fault. It's this and that. I said, listen, you don't know what I went through. But no matter what I went through, I will still say Larry was a genius. I will still give him credit for what he did for house music. But I will say, no one, none of us, not Larry Sherman, not Rocky Jones of DJ International, not J.B. Ross, not Louis Pitsley, not anybody 
had the business expertise to really know what they were doing. Everything was done kind of like off the cuff, out of their belief, just like it just exploded. And it right. exploded out of people that didn't know what they were doing, but just did it. And that's the miracle of it. Yeah, and everyone's trying to now rewrite the history of it fast, 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 fast. Silence everyone in the beginning of it, silence the movement, what happened, why it happened. They just want to get a nice, clean slate. That's it, exactly. It's just like what I've been, um, what I've been told, and that is the way people feel about these big corporations is when a big company comes in and takes over, Sometimes they'll be nice enough, like with Russell Simmons, to say, oh, you can stay on the advisory board, you can stay around. But usually they make their life so much a living hell, they get rid of them very soon. Because the idea is to clean house. The idea is to get rid of everybody. The idea is, here, here's what happened. Another podcast, a little one that I did, a different one that I, that I did with Dalbinka who's the lady who has been, you know, interested in doing my life story. She did a little podcast with me, which the guy from TAP watched that podcast. I don't like the way you characterize me, Rachel. I don't like what you said. And I'm like, uh, okay, what, did, what didn't you like? You said I should stay in my own lane. I said, that's right. You've got the biggest pop star in the world. Dua Lipa, you've got all this money, you've got all this power, you're on this England's Got Talent TV show, you're this, you're that, you've got all this money, I've just got this little label, I've got hardly anything, but I'm happy right where I, where I am, and he said, well, we think we have a better way, we thought we had a better way, and that's why we wanted to take over, and I said, if you have a better way, why don't you build your own company? Why don't you build your own tracks? Why do you have to possess tracks? Make your own. Make to, Yeah. <laughs> to dig it, dig it even deeper, why do so many of these artists that want to come on or these big corporations, why are they so insistent on utilizing the tracks name to give themselves legitimacy? If we don't know what we are we never did anything you know what i mean for everything that they accuse us of they're wanting a piece of it to be part of them they want it so badly and it, it's so sad because i mean if i were to think about it and, and this guy even came to me after they settled with us and their lawyer like said a bunch of lies and things that weren't true and then i said you know he came to me and he said, Rachel, I'd still like to be your partner, if you can believe this, after everything he did to me. And I said, first of all, look at what your lawyer recently said all over the press, how he slandered me. Oh, he doesn't work for me anymore. Oh, look about your publisher, John Trulove, what he said about me. Oh, yeah, well, he's just our publisher. That doesn't have anything to do with me. I could help to make you a star. I could help to do all this for you. You know, I could make something with your career. I'm like, what makes 
you think I would trust you after everything you did to me. A snake is a snake. Yeah. And a snake is going to bite you. It's their nature. You know, like yeah. a, a leopard doesn't change their spots. But people, I've had so many people, other big companies too, that have just try to like lie to me and like, Rachel, you're the whole brand. Look what you've done. Look at how you've done all this great things. And look how you fought for the label. Look how you did this and you did that. And then try to turn around and stab me right in the back. Because and people will be like, why, why, why? Because people want money. And Trax has a lot of in invisible money that we can't even collect on or anything because so many losses are coming. And when you're poor and trying to fight off one lawsuit, it takes everything away from you, right? Everything. Not only that, but you know what everybody knows, and this is really a sad thing. There is nobody, including lawyers for the creative arts or any lawyer that I've ever worked with, any lawyer, who's ever said it was possible to win against everyone I fought against so far. Everybody said impossible, impossible. Impossible about Casablanca, never will get the label back. Impossible about Demon, never will get the label back. Impossible about Tap, they're way too big for you to fight. Impossible, impossible. But somehow we survived. And by impossible, they mean you don't have enough money to keep the lawsuit going. They're basically waiting for you to dry up financially to yeah. just basically cave over belly up and just give it to us because the way that it works in the music industry or in any industry in America, in any industry, wherever you go, you just try to sue someone, open up a suit. Even if it doesn't stick, you can spend so much time just trying to fight the initial stuff that you're, you're gone. You're dead. You have no money. Time, right or, or no. time and energy. And what I really love about you, George, besides all your creativity and all the great things that you do for the label and the great ears that you have and how you've helped to curate my album, Queen of House, and other things that you've done is the fact that you've always supported me and made me believe that no matter how impossible it seems, don't give up. And if Well, I think everybody watching this is definitely in the same mindset of like David and Goliath mentality. Like, how are we just going to belly up and cave in, right? It's easier said than done because I'm not the one uh, fighting the lawsuits or having to give my money and you know all the wear and tear that you go through every day. It's, I mean, it's easier said than done. But I think it's important to really highlight how malicious and how easily anyone can just be taken over. I mean, if it happened to Taylor Swift, I mean, we were dealing with the same things, yes. her and, and us. But it's bad out there. It's not easy for, for creatives to make it. No, it's not. And I think that that one thing is that everybody keeps trying to say to me, everybody has a price. And for some reason, people get really pissed off at me when I say I don't have a price. And nobody, even even friends, except that you said you believe me and it's true can believe that I didn't say how much. Because well, I've seen the offers and stuff like that. And we've, yeah, I mean, I've seen it from it with my own eyes and ears. So I've seen you turn it down because it doesn't make sense. And we've had the conversations. Yeah, it just, 
it, it's to me like, why couldn't you just want to like work with us and help us? I'm, I would love to share. I would love to make, I would love to make peace with those, those other classic artists. I would, yeah, you would give them anything basically that they demanded if they, if, as long as it was within reason, obviously. Absolutely. But I've seen you so much and just say, yeah, I want to make peace. I want to make peace. What do you want to make peace? Because all you want is peace. That's true. I've seen that. What I would really like to do is like, you know, I even tried to say to Adonis, although it appears he's not interested, even though he doesn't really hate me and he doesn't really like those guys either. But the point of the matter is I said, Adonis, I'm happy to do a fair deal with you. Let's work in like a partnership together. I can help to hook you up. I can get you work. I've got people right now that'll pay you $10,000 to just work on a track. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't want my help. He doesn't want to be fair with me. He wants to say, give it to me. Give it all to me. Like nothing. Like these guys believe, take away everything. It doesn't matter that I fought for my own music, their music, everybody's music. All that matters to them is now that she has finally fought the demon, literally, let's take it all away from her. And with no good reason. It's... Because then they write you out completely. Yeah. And it's like, for why? Why would they write you out then? It's, you know? It's all about, like, we're all watching people try to fight to see who gets to tell the story. But, you know, the truth of the whole story, the way I look at this, is, George, is that house music grew out of a lot of dysfunctional people that somehow made music that brought people together. It grew out of a bunch of people that really stopped getting along. But when they stopped getting along was when they started getting popular. Because once everybody started getting a little popularity, then everybody split up from everybody else. It's just like, if I think about when Vince and Jesse and I did fantasy and how that was, you know, like the first, you know, important house, well, probably the first vocal house record. But aside from that, a very important record, which made it to radio, which is, you know, it's, it's a classic and it's a classic that many people love. And it's a classic with a beautiful message of how we felt at the time about striving for our dreams. And, you know, we might as well die if we don't get to those dreams, you know, things. Like that... Rolling Stone said, you were the first female vocalist on a dance music track with fantasy. So you were, the, it's historical for real, for real. And I, and I appreciate that you remind me of that. But the point of it is, what's really sad is sometimes I think about us when we were those kids with a dream and how excited we were to get those vinyl records in our hands and go from store to store and sell them out of the trunks of cars and, you know, how we really, really, really cared about each other and to yeah. see how people have now, I don't know, turned it into this They've turned it into a, a racial, a sexual, and every kind of way of 
splitting us all together. But the people that are the master puppeteers are the large people with the cash. They're the master manipulators. And people have to remember, this is the last breathing dinosaur to have really come out of everything. And still, we're still kicking and surviving. I mean, we're not trying to convince anyone because, you know, everyone who's watching this knows how great the music continues to be, how, you know, everything is just great. And it's like we're dealing with the past because it matters a lot to us. And we're watching people try to destroy the future by taking away what was. And it's scary because we don't have the muscle besides this, stuff like this, just getting it all out there so people hear the story. I think that's really true. People need to know the story. But, you know, sometimes I am reminded that the truth is out there. A lot of the stories are out there. And if people want to search enough, they'll know. Look at all the people in England. Look at all the people in Italy. Look at the people that support us and believe in us. You know, I told this one person who's also trying to take things over and be in control that, you know, George and I have this army of people behind us that believe in us. And this person said, well, then, then, then you stop being tracks and, you know, we'll be tracks and you could be, you know, some other name, but, you know, we want to be tracks. How easy the bully to just come and tell you where to live and what to do and how to breathe, huh? Yeah. But, you know, I learned some interesting things today. I won't say those yet on this podcast, but you and I will talk about some interesting things that I learned that I think are actually very good at the end of the day. You know, some things that I hadn't thought about that I think are good. But the thing is, you know, my dream is to keep the label independent, to not sign people because of TikTok numbers, to really keep turning out great music. And when people say that, oh, well, hasn't the music changed a lot from the old days? I'm like, no, because if you think about it, acid tracks was not like love can't turn around. Fantasy was not like love can't turn around. Move your body wasn't like any of those. Everything we did, it had its own flavor. Yeah, and we continue to push so many boundaries. Like even in 2015, we, we took that hip house moonbathon when you did the song with uh, Boyfriend, Todd Terry for Spirits Rising. That was on Boiler Room. Like people forget that our music is everywhere and still happening and people choose it because they want to and we're blending genres left and right that's you know some to some people not even things that they're aware of like all the stuff in Italy with all the musicians down there who are just pushing house in a way that we'll just never see again but we're lucky enough to be able to foster that and and it's really really great to see fuck everyone i don't know what they're talking about like laurent and 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 greg which are two of the people from france that we're going to be working with and it's great to see how they said you know rachel so many of your songs like i just want to make love and this song and that song we love them just the way we are we play them in our sets in places like dubai and everywhere you know i guess the thing is 
it's easy for us to not know what the rest of the world is doing or all those things that they play in Ibiza. And even people like Satek that we brought them out in the acid house. And we were the first people to really give them that popularity in that genre. And, uh, you know, we work with uh, Demas Whisper. He is Tom Ford's official DJ. So a lot of the people that back us, that believe in us, and the people that are hearing our music, and it's on runways everywhere. It's been used by Louis Vuitton. It's it's everywhere, you know? And, and yeah. the new music is everywhere. And they're not going to stop it. And They're not caught up to what we're doing. We're so far ahead at this point that people are trying to catch up. True. That's really what what are these people who want to take over? You know, another reason why I wouldn't want to sell, besides the fact that I don't really care about the money, which is insane, people call me insane, and maybe I am, is that I've got a lot of artists and people like you and other people who really depend on me because I believe in them and they believe in me. And if I were to give up, you know, some of these other people that wanted to buy into the company... One of the first questions I said, well, if you were to buy in, what happens to all my artists? Well, they have to go away. We don't like D-Beat because they have beards. You know, we don't like this because they look old. We don't like this because they look ugly. Da, da, da. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Are fucking sick. And music comes down to music. It shouldn't have boundaries of race or religion or age or sex or anything like that. And I also believe that the political climate today, which really upsets me a lot, is that I don't know why, because I don't know what to think about government right now. But what I do think is that it's all about separating people, separating Latin people from Black people, Black people from white people. I mean... I'm seeing all these things. Now, Farrakhan is backing Donald Trump, just as an example. So I'm just saying the whole world is like going into this nutty phase where, where we brought this music, where it was all about you may be black, white, gay, straight. You know, it didn't matter. We're all together in one house. We yeah. made music to bring people together. And right now, that house music's bigger than it's ever been. The essential message that we brought to the world is being torn apart. And it's interesting because the reason we're so divided or we're trying to, you know, people are trying to divide us is because we're all in unison struggling so badly that if we came together through our shared experiences of struggle and try to fight against these big people, big forces, like the label, you know, the label's an, al an allegory for all this, because if all these big musicians came together and fought these big people, we would be back in harmony, and the world would work that way, but instead we're being like, talk here, talk there, and we're all like, you're my enemy, you're my enemy, so it's like, we're not even in war together, we're battling each other. We are, and the more we battle each other, the more they're able to take control. You know, the normal person, it's even hard for people, difficult for people to afford groceries. Things are getting insane. They're out of control. It's hard to believe what's really happening. And it's very and people are 
making the money are making records amount of money. They're they're keeping so much of it to themselves and telling us there's no money, but they're keeping it. Who is making the money? It's not the musicians. And I can tell you it's not tracks. So I would really like to know all the visions of grandeur of people saying she lives in her ivory tower. Well, they got to know that the reason the ivory tower was lost was because I could not afford it. And as a matter of fact, even though I had a husband who was basically supporting it, he could no longer afford it. And why? Because of all the things that people are trying to do. And lawsuits. That they depend on Lawsuits and lawyers. Yeah. Really. Legal costs. And at the end of the day, who really wins? The lawyers. Yes. The lawyers. And, and they're the only ones who make the money. You know? And it's so crazy that people will just like, I don't know, like just stab you in the back about the fact that they think they can do it better, even though they haven't done a damn thing. And have no proof. At least we have proof and articles and God knows how many things. And at least and we still... great new music. Look at all the great new music. Molly and Taco, DB, so much. So much. Yeah, that's kind of... My dub addict. I could go on and on. Uh, Carmelo Carone, so many, you know, Luca, so many great people, so much great music. That's all I can say. Yeah, and it just keeps going. So smooth. He makes such great music. We have videos of people dancing to like our songs and like huge clubs every day that they tag us on Instagram and um, Twitter and we see it every day. It's everywhere. And and it really can't be stopped because I believe that a lot of these new people that we're helping to foster and I believe, you know, even my Acid album, which, you know, I made with Marcus Mix and, and, you know, I think he's a very talented person. He's a little different, but we're all a little different. And all I can say is, yeah, it didn't get promoted at all because I don't have any money to promote anything. We can't promote our artists the way I wish we could. I only wish we could do for our artists what they deserve. I only wish we had. Yeah, and so much already you know, occurs organically, which we have to thank the fans. You know, because of you guys, really, we've had and had and created this much power for ourselves. Because we have you guys by our sides. We have you listening, um, engaging with what we put out there. And there's so many of you out there. There's hundreds of thousands of you. There's not in, in the millions for all I know. And that does not get lost on us. Maybe we don't see you or feel you, but it's clear because without this much support, we wouldn't have gotten this far. No, we wouldn't exist anymore. That's for sure. We wouldn't. And we wouldn't have so much great new music. And we wouldn't be getting so much great reaction from fans. But what I would like to encourage the fans to do is to please let us know how you feel. Let us know how you feel about us. Get in touch with us. Let us know. New people get in touch with us every day and send us music. And that's great because we listen to it. And we, you know, we really A&R about it. We really care about it. But as much as you can support us, if you can, you know, buy a download instead of just whatever, streaming it. 
Yeah, from Bandcamp. Yeah, Bandcamp, but how about Beatport? That's great because you can buy a wave. You can, you know, there's so many great things about Beatport and Track Source and, you know, all these places, anywhere where you love to get music, anywhere where people get music, think about buying it because that way everybody can make a little bit of money, even though, yeah. you know, even though you're dividing a dollar into so many quarters and pieces and little things, but still the musicians could make something. The independent label could make something, maybe not a lot, but they could make something. And I think that, you know, now we've, we've put together all the systems. I mean, you put together, well, we didn't, but there's a thing called infinite catalog that put together systems to really run all the royalties so that we can know what's going on now. But the truth of the matter, which is very disappointing, but is really truthful, is streaming has caused people to make such little money that if an artist is making a few hundred dollars, it's good. And that's the truth. And well, I mean, we can talk about what advice to give artists later, but I mean, in a time for fans, you'll have to be cut a lot of slack to like anybody who's out there willing to even put a song out at this point because it's not a return on anyone's investment. It's purely passion at this point. It is. It really is. To be a musician at this time has got to be the hardest time in history. Somehow the system has figured out a way to cut out the indies, to cut out the musicians. I mean, it's really a sad state of affairs. Although... You know, one thing I did say today to the person that's trying to take over, one of the many, is that we're looking for ways for our artists to make more money. I hope that we can have the tracks tour. That will help. I hope that we can have merch with, you know, highlighting our artists so that they can make some money on that merch too. I hope that people will support the merch. I hope that people will... I don't know, even I know they have these little buttons on things like Spotify to donate. I haven't put one on mine, but I know Joe has one on his and so many artists have one on theirs. And and I would like to encourage people to make those donations to artists. Anything that people can do to try to help their local artists, even if like here in Nashville, because part of the time I'm in Nashville, but I'm not in Chicago. You know, people in Nashville play by passing around the bucket or the hat or just having the tip jar up there. So I would encourage, no matter how, because people are making such little money that whatever people can do to try to support a local musician. But I know people are poor themselves. And it's like you said, George, they're so poor, they can't help themselves as well. And as if you're that you're not able to give like monetarily share a post like it save it share it engage with it you see something on instagram even a smiley face does such a huge thing for that post for that artist for the promotions it's so powerful i mean if we want to get into the the reason it's just because you click like and then somebody else will like see it and somebody else may like it and then it'll keep going and growing and growing and going and going naturally without any money being spent to promote it no time it's just you reacting to something you like 
That's true. So, so it does help. You're so right. If people will react, support, if they don't have the money to support by making a donation or even buying a download, try to support the music by liking it. Try to look at our Twitter. Try to look at our Instagram. Try to engage with us any which way. Try to engage with our artists. Do whatever you can to support the music you love so that we can keep making music. Yeah, because right now everyone's just one lawsuit away from losing it all. And that's the sad reality that you lose all your ownership of everything just by not having a few dollars to save on a huge expensive lawyer. And people don't, you know, if it hadn't been for lawyers for the creative arts, which I've got to thank them, people don't realize all that whole tracks catalog, all the publishing, all the masters, they'd all be gone. And believe me, these artists that are now fighting against me would never be able to fight against a big company like the BBC or Casablanca or any of these people. It's a miracle that I got the help. As a matter of fact, Casablanca told Lawyers for the Creative Arts, you can't help tracks. That's a big company. And they said, oh, yes, we can. And we're going to. And if they hadn't, which I have to say, when we had nothing, and I'm talking about nothing, and you know, Larry and I, for a long time, just made money selling things on eBay to stay alive, okay? You know, that's the kind of things we did. And people might not know that. Uh, Lawyers for the Creative Arts, it cost them about $3 million to support us. And that still wasn't the end of it. And that still isn't the end of it today. And the, I mean, we really have to realize that not so many people are going to get that access. They'll just lose a lawsuit and lose it all. We have to keep saying it out loud because that's how vicious the cycle is at this point with these big companies. It's that it, easy. No, it is vicious. And, and I don't know. I just think that there's something to not put a price on your head. I don't know. I just find it hard to believe that people want to buy your soul. They want to buy you. They well, think the, the crazy thing is that rich people feel that they can just come and take something that's seasoned, curated, worked on, something that doesn't belong to them just because they want it. And they're going to do anything that they can possibly do to obtain it from you, whether you like it or not, and take your movement away from the hands that birthed it and created it. It is great. And I even look at Elon Musk and the fact that he put the tracks app in his car, utilizing the same colors, the same letters. I mean, you know, and like everybody says, okay, we're just a little not even particle of dust compared to a person like Elon Musk. And, you know, he's with Grime. Grime knows our music. Elon Musk does stuff with electronic music. So the whole sad thing about it is even something big like Tesla, who is suing a beer company for using a tea that looks a little bit like his tea, uses our whole TRAX in his car. And we can do nothing about it. We can do nothing about it. Absolutely. And people might be saying, why? It's not right. This, the law is not about right or wrong. It's do you have enough money to fight the, the case you're trying to pursue? 
Yeah, it's like the man who has the gold rules. That's the golden rule, unfortunately. That's the legal system. Yes. That really is. Anybody who's listening to this who is an American has to realize it's not about being right. It's about whether or not you have the pockets to fight and the time and energy. And that's disgusting. And the other thing that I really love about what you've done is you've helped me to make music all the way through. All the way yeah. through. Well, you know, that's kind of the thing that I think everyone forgets. You kept innovating, like with your vocals, within dance. With it. I mean, people will hear it on the new upcoming album, Disco 3000. I mean, when I put stuff on last year's compilation, Star Treks, it highlighted that it was talked about in Rolling Stone about how dynamic you are as an artist and how you were the first. So it's crazy. Some people want to make you feel like you're nothing, but you, you, you're the only one who's kept making things. I mean, you didn't even know you were in the Library of Congress until I called you oh. three or four days ago. I and know. It was uh, funny because my therapist said, oh, Rachel, I just don't understand why you don't have any self-confidence. Don't you understand how important that is? That's American culture. You're part of it. You're part of the whole cultural lexicon of important things that there are. So really appreciate yourself and be strong. And he's like, you know what? The problem with you is, Rachel, get your New York on. You know, don't be a wimp. Don't let these people stamp all over you. And what it is, is when I stand up for myself, really, George, then I'm a bitch. Because I'm a woman. If a woman stands up for herself, she's a fucking bitch. They're just going to have to deal with it, I guess, aren't they? I guess they are. Because They I'm kept saying to you that I was a bitch and this and that. And I always didn't bat an eye. I just kept going. Just, I'm alive. Yeah. You got to just raise your voice and fuck them if they don't like it. Because really... And that's what he said. He's like, they're trying to tell you you can't do it. Everybody tells me every day, you can't do it. You can't do it. You don't have the strength to run the company. You, it needs to be changed. You don't know what you're doing. You can't do it. Well, what have you been doing? And you don't even need to know everything. That's what, you know, everyone's asking you for answers and answers and answers. Like, why can't they just let you breathe? Why do they got to know everything about you, all your formula? And this, like, it's like they're trying to do an autopsy right then and there to figure it all out. And it's like, just breathe. And there is no autopsy because there is no method to the madness. There is only the music. You you know what you know and you do what you do. I don't hear Bill Gates over here telling us his methods and this and that. Well... I mean, you know, it, it's either, I don't know, creativity is something that you just have. And I believe maybe a lot of people have it and don't use it because they haven't been taught that they can really express themselves freely. But, you know, if you express yourself freely, I think that what you make is your expression of art and it's you. And nobody should be able to take that away from you. And nobody should be able to just buy it. And if I just let people buy me out, what happens to all the people that depend on me and that believe in me and that love tracks? What happens to them? Yeah. And what happens to the story of, of what happened at tracks 30 years from now? Who gets to tell what happened and erase everything and delete things from, you know, from the archives and 
it's just so treacherous. It is, and not only that, but those people don't even know what's in the archives. We won't even begin, because if they knew, they would come for those things. I'll keep my mouth shut, too. Ah, those got to be under lock and key, hidden away, like really hidden away, because, yeah, people are insane. They even want that. They want to take your soul. And that's the sad part is that there are certain things you can never take away. You can never take away the real truth. You can't. Yeah. I mean, in a way, it's a, it's a warning because it shows people what happens when you become so great and big. You can't just be responsible and think, oh, well, I am only me and I, I don't need a team and I don't need that. No, everything's got to be secure. You need contracts, this, that, and the other. You are not in my opinion, the kind of person who would necessarily be wanting to do all those things, because I know that you're more creative, but you do them because if not, we're... Yeah, I've had to. I've had to do a lot of things I really am not great at, don't like doing, and I've got to say, you know, thankfully, Marcus helped a lot. You know, this person, another person who wants to take over, saying, well, if Mark wants to work free, and I said... Yes, because he wants to see this succeed because he believes in it. Yes, he will help out. And I'm sorry that I cannot pay you $5,000 a month so that you can be there. You know, this yeah. is, we don't have money to pay these people to do these things. And then they're not realizing, oh, we want to take over everything, the website, the social media, everything. Okay, and then what are you going to put up there? And who's going to do it? What? Okay, we don't, we don't think we want you to do A&R. Okay, who's going to do it? Who understands the music out of you guys that don't even know Acid House from whatever? And they really don't. We're talking about, we're talking about people who know nothing. And we're not exaggerating. This isn't like some you know, uh, Ultra or whomever, Patrick Moxie, you know, love him or hate him or however you feel about him. The fact is, okay, he knows something. And there are other people that know things. I have great respect for Colleen Thies, the COO, you know, of, of The Orchard. She's a great woman. She knows a lot. Kat Kittredge. There are some people that are amazing and that do know music and that do know business. And I give them kudos but there's people mm -hmm. around me that don't don't even know anything and they want to be in charge. It's frightening. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people assume that people with a lot of money know everything and they got there for a reason. No. 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 It's, and Rachel's right. It's very scary once you get to that, that close to seeing how everything is made and who controls everything. And we realize we're all fucked. We're in bad hands. Some real dumb people control a lot of big things. It is really sad. And the saddest thing is that we're being pulled apart and we can't let that happen. I hope that everybody who listens to the podcast just realizes that, hey, if you can help somebody, if you can support somebody, if you can even say a kind word to somebody, it means so much because right now, if you're a musician, if you're a small label, if you're an individual who's a photographer, a painter, whatever you may do, just a word of kindness can keep you going. 
And there's not enough of that in the world. No, and there's so many great things happening right now. Everybody who is alive right now is creating such great things and they're not hearing it enough or seeing themselves out there enough. At least 10 years ago, we had blogs, we had press that was independent. Now there's not even press that people care about. All we have are reels and TikToks to to see if we matter. And, and that's pretty crazy. Are, huh? That is crazy. Yeah. And I even see, you know, Mark, who's, I don't know, I think he's kind of old school. And all I see him doing is looking at these these video things going up and down, you know, and they'll have this person doing this crazy thing or this person saying this crazy thing or this fake news or whatever. We don't know what's real, what's not, who's really doing anything. Farrakhan now loves Donald Trump. I mean, wow. This world yeah. is really going upside down, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's why it's best that we just keep this small little label going with our yeah. hands. Yes, exactly. That's that's what I said to Tap, is that I'm happy just being my own small little thing. With my artists, they're happy too. We're just doing our thing. It's okay. We don't have to be you. We don't have to be huge. We just want to be ourselves and do our music. Can't you let that's, it yeah. That's everyone's vision, to make us this giant artist, giant thing, beast, monster. And the reason we survive and make so many great things is because we're just us if it happens to get big it happens to get big and we're not going to chase no to be something we're not no i'm not making music because i'm thinking about you know making all this money or making these big hits i'm making music because i love it they just happen to be big hits but at least we don't have to force play pay for plays and videos and marketing structures it just happens because people don't understand that in today's world, everything is, almost everything's bought. And that's why I hope the fans will gain the intelligence of really knowing how important it is to support indie people, indie labels, small things, because they don't have the money to push stuff down people's throats. And it shows you with no money how how powerful we are and how incredible the things that we keep putting out are because... Hey, people keep talking about us and we're not really, we don't have publicists. We don't have press releases going out every day. We don't have a marketing team putting behind oh. like three months of campaigns on how to keep us in the forefront of things. No, it's just because we rock. And really. exactly. And, and it's like, oh, well, Rachel, what's your plan? What's your plan? How do you see things? What's the five-year plan? Well, the five-year plan is what good music is going to come our way and that we're going to put out and what things that ha people haven't heard enough that we're going to expose, and we're just going to keep going. That's our plan. We don't have this grand scheme of things plan. To make money and find money and grow the audience and all this and all these. No. Like, I mean, to, to capitalists, it sounds wild. Like, how do you not want more money? And it's not, it's not that. It's just that money can't create art. It can't. Money does not buy great art. And it's kind of a sad thing that so much of the best music in the world may not be heard by many. And that's kind of a shame. And the one lucky thing that we have going for us is we built a brand. We kept a brand alive. Because in today's world, 
without any kind of a name or any kind of a brand, you're sunk because people are putting out millions of tracks every day, literally. And so it's so hard to be noticed unless you've got big bucks, drug money that fuels it. You know, that's how a lot of things go. I mean, it's insane what really goes on behind the scenes of, of what's happening. But yet, for as small as we are, you'd think we were the biggest thing in the world. Well, people think we are and that we have all this money and all that. And they, I mean, I know because even I get it, like, well, you do all this and you've done all that and this and that. It's like, that's not how it works. I wish you really do not know how it works. I'm just lucky enough that somebody cares about what I do. That's right. And and what keeps me going is a little bit of appreciation. And what keeps me going is some people that say, you can do it, you can do it, don't give up, don't give up. Because it's hard. And, yeah, and now we're being next to the Declaration of Independence. Yes. Yay! <laughs> Along with a lot, of, a lot of track stuff is also in the Library of Congress, if uh, anybody wants to know. But... Yeah, I mean, that's really what last year was about. It was about exposing so many things that we had to keep to ourselves because of litigation and, you know, being fearful of what may or may not happen if we speak. And Gag orders. You know how many gag orders I've had on myself? But what happened is all these people violated their gag orders. So guess what? Mine is yeah, and I mean, that was really the big chunk of last year. And then we went and did Star Trek. I'm not going to plow through it. We can talk about it on next week's podcast a little more. But that's really what defined last year. And it was trying to just expose everything we could finally talk about. Because it was such a crazy 18 years or something like that. It's been a crazy time, but we're still kicking. And we're kicking better than ever. I think Star yeah, I mean, is a masterpiece, and I hope all of you who listen to this podcast will definitely listen for it, and I hope you're going to, you know, I, I think that rising is something that I really rising. appreciate the support. There's on. so much that happened we haven't even got into, because we ended up uh, spending the hour on, you know, I think what people really wanted to hear originally, which was yeah. the... A little bit of spilling the tea in the dirt, but but you know, I think I hope everybody just comes away with what house music is all about, and that is love and support, and no racism, sexism, ageism, nothing like that. Just great music that brings people together. And if we can just bring that feeling to the world again, you know, the world needs more house music. The world needs more house music. And it, what it needs more than anything is the true spirit of house music, not the fake spirit of house music where people want to take it over and now it's so big because Drake and Beyonce are house and so-and-so is house and so-and-so is house and everybody's house, house, house. But what about the true meaning of house? Let's exactly. Yeah, I, I was going to add to that, but I think we should leave it with that. Yes. In my opinion, we're we're going to be filming these podcasts once a month. They'll be available everywhere for you to listen to. You can watch it on the YouTube tracks page. We'll yes. be adding some things for reels and stuff like that. But, you know, please feel free to share it. I, for a long time, 
I think we wanted to do something like this, but it wouldn't have been as impactful as it is now due to all the gag orders and the legis or you know the legal stuff um, that was going on. And it's finally time for people just to understand what happened, what's going on, and for better or for worse, it's us. I mean, anybody else who wants to say their tracks, who who are you? Let us know what you think and support and try to show love to your fellow artists and your fellow human beings. Don't let politics divide us. We're all in the same shitty boat. Let's at least steer together towards That's one right. place. If we come together, we can make a change. Thanks, everyone, for watching or listening. Bye. Bye.